Would you turn please to Psalm 4 this evening? Psalm 4. For some weeks now we've been on the subject of the protection of God. And I want us to continue this evening. How many believe God can protect you? Yes, he can. And faith in protection comes by hearing God's word about protection. And that's what we've been doing. Psalm 4, verse 8. Psalm 4, 8 says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For you, Lord, only make me dwell in safety. Makes me, what does dwell mean? Live. You, Lord, only make me dwell in safety. One translation says, you keep me perfectly safe. And he is able to do that, and it is his will. We read from uh, Timothy, where it talked about in the last days, there'd be perilous times. Well, we're living in the latest days that anybody's ever lived in. And is there any peril around and danger? Oh, my. I think we have gotten, uh, we're too accustomed to violence and uh, desensitized, maybe, is the word. And we hear about murder and destruction and violence and terrorism and plague and disease. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we heard that yesterday. And yeah, that's bad. And, but it's almost expected. But friends, there's a lot of stuff going on. Right around us. Right? I mean, people are being killed. People are being destroyed. Right up the road. And right down the road. This world is a perilous place. It's a dangerous place to live. Even if you think where you live is safe. Still. You know? Little local places and rural places and out in the country places. They have murders and thefts and terrible stuff too. And you and I don't have scripture to stand and believe that the world's going to become a safe place for everybody. He told us it was going to get perilous. And just exactly what he said has happened and is happening. But. (laughs) But. For the believer. For the people of God. There is a protector. Can God keep you in the midst of danger? Can he protect you with violence all around? Yes, yes, and glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Yes. So that's what we've been camping on and looking at. And we're talking about, we call this perfect protection. Go to the 91st Psalm. And let's review a little bit and then go further. In this wonderful word of protection. Psalm 91. Psalm 91 verse 1. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High 
Not secret to us. Secret to the enemy. Shall abide under the shadow. One translation says the shade. Of the almighty. I will say of the Lord. Now we've been taking this psalm or song. One verse at a time. And we've said in everything in life. And in our walk with God, there's God's part of it, and there's our part. And we can't do his part, and he's not going to do our part. Hmm? And us doing our part affects him doing his part. Doesn't it? It's always been this way. Now, a lot of people don't like that, and they try to evade that. And there are just millions of Christians that like or think they like what I call no-fault religion. What I mean by that is, no matter what happens, it's not my fault. (laughs) No matter what didn't happen, it's not my fault. Everything, people try to say, everything that happens is the will of God. Hmm? Now, you know that millions of people believe that, don't you? That everything that happens is the will of God. And they, whether they say it or imply it, they include all the destruction, all the terrible stuff that's happening in the earth. Well, we just don't understand why God did all those things. Oh, well, if he didn't do it, he let it happen. And if he let it happen, he must have had some purpose in it. But the implication is that some way or another, it was God's will, and there wasn't nothing that anybody could have done about it because it was God's will. And basically what they're saying is, it's God's will for some folks to be destroyed. Hmm? I mean, I have heard preachers stand up at funerals over a 10-year-old that's killed in a car wreck and say, well, we just don't understand these things, but God saw fit. To take this one to him. And they're basically saying this car wreck was God's will. Aren't they? This destruction was somewhere. We don't understand it. But somewhere or another it was his will. And he loved them more than we did. And he just couldn't wait to have them with him. So he took them. And we don't know why. And we don't believe that. We don't believe it's in the Bible. We believe the Bible contradicts that. Did you hear me? No. There are a lot of things that are happening in the earth that's not the will of God. Doesn't please him. Right? In fact, he said this in uh, Ezekiel, I believe. He said, I have no pleasure in the death of him that dies. Talking about it from destruction. Without going into it and studying it, I mean, tonight, looking at it, look at it, study it for yourself, the Bible tells us that there are things we can do that will add years to our life. And there are things we can do that will cut our life short. The psalmist said, bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. But this psalm ends up by saying, with long life, I'll satisfy him and show him My salvation. If this is the will of God, then how could being cut off at age 10, hmm, or 20, 
Did you hear me? Or 40? <laughs> Somebody said, keep going. <laughs> How long is long? Don't get hung up on numbers. What does the rest of it say? With long life, I will. Well, are you satisfied? Well, then keep on living then. People say, well, now. You just never know when your day is. Because when your number's up, you're up. Some say, well, that's what the Bible said. You know, it's appointed unto man a time to die. And when your time comes, it might be 3.30 on a Thursday afternoon when you're 23. But when your time comes, you're out of here. No, the Bible does not say that. Hmm? It's a misquote and a misapplication. The Bible says in Hebrews, the people are misquoting that. It said, it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. Like I said, studying Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, other places. You can see that if you'll do the right thing, you will add years. Add. Everybody say add. Add. I'm quoting scripture. You'll add years to your life. Do the wrong thing and it will cut you short. Well, if you and I are going to make it. From infancy to old and full of years and satisfied, we're going to require some protection. How many of you could testify with me the fact that you and I are here right now? I'm telling you what, I was a boy. And a country boy, and I did whatever I could do. I swung from the trees like Tarzan. I swam with snakes and alligators. I rode motorcycles. I had wrecks. I jumped off cliffs. I got scars here and there. (laughs) Every summer, I visited the emergency room. And I'm still here, and you're still here, right? Because God protected us. Thank God for His mercy. Thank God for His grace. And the same God who protected us and got us this far, can He get us the rest of the way? Can He get us the rest of the way? So we finish our life, run our whole race, finish our whole course. If the Lord tears is coming long enough until we're old and gray and we get up and we say, now, Lord, I'm satisfied. <laughs> I am. I'm ready to come on. Hmm. I've done everything that you dealt with me to do. I just feel satisfied and complete in my heart. I'm ready to come on. And then die like the Bible says, let me die the death of the righteous. And let my last end be like his. And the Bible talks about Israel calling his sons in before he goes. And prophesying over all of them. And then pulling his feet up in the bed and giving up the ghosts. You can do it without being crushed in a car wreck. You can do it without tubes coming out from every side. You can do it without disease. Some people say, well, if you never got sick, how would you die? (laughs) Easy. Easy. 
The body without the spirit is dead. Your body is just like a hand in a glove. If you pull the hand out of the glove, will you have to shoot the glove to make it quit moving? <laughs> or stab it or burn it? <laughs> Without the hand, there is no life in the glove. And when your spirit leaves your body, you don't have to have anything to kill it. It's dead. Is it possible to live a long, full life? Huh? Do everything you put on this earth to do. And then leave your body aged and satisfied and go home to be with Jesus without some work of the devil. Yes, thank God. Somebody said, that's how I'll go. If the Lord tarries his coming, I'll live out my full length of days and I'll be satisfied and I'll go home to be with the Lord. The way I'm supposed to. I'll die the death of the righteous. That's how my end will be. Amen. And that's nothing to be afraid of. That's honorable. Can you say amen? Well, we got to make it till then. <laughs> In this dangerous, perilous world. We got to make it till then. Without being shot and killed or wrecked and killed or diseased and attacked and killed. We've got to be protected. And he says, if you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, you'll abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We talked about that canopy of protection. The Bible said, verse 4, Well, verse 3, surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Now, that's traps. Does the devil set traps? Somebody say traps. That really is the more accurate word oftentimes instead of accident. Hmm? We call them accident. So-and-so had an accident. Again and again, it was a setup by the enemy. It was a setup. Why was that drunk driver at that intersection that second that you were? Now, that requires some timing. Did you hear me? Again and again, there are setups. And the enemy wants you at the wrong place, at the wrong time. And people call it an accident, but it was a setup. It was a snare. It was a trap. See, fowlers were people who caught birds. And they went out and they set traps for them. And they tried to hide them where the bird didn't see it and know it. And the bird would fly in there and peck around, try to get the food and catch him. Well, the devil's that way. Hmm? Oh, but you can miss the perfect will of the devil every day. He can have stuff set up for you and the Holy Ghost warn you and check you and show you and God protect you. And, you know, you're just missing his traps right and left. And he's going, man, I worked on that for six months. And they just missed it. And you go, oops, I missed your will again. 
Oops, I missed the perfect will of the devil. Oops, oops. And you can just keep missing his traps and his setups day in, day out, year after year. If you'll believe God and obey God and follow him. And so we've been talking about God's part and our part. And we saw our part here What in verse 2. What does it say? What does it say? I will say of the Lord. Who's going to do that part? God doesn't do that part. You have to do that part. I will say. This is not just thinking. This is saying. This is you opening your mouth. And you need to do it more than just once or twice in your life. You need to do it when you think about it. I will say of the Lord. What? He is my refuge. What? My fortress. Right? My God. In him will I trust. And you need to not be ashamed to say it in front of anybody. Or anywhere. Right? Don't let anybody intimidate you. We spent quite a bit of time on this. There were times when people left God. And they looked to other things to protect them. And even other gods. And he said when they were in distress. This is the words of God. He said, well, why don't you go to your new gods? Let them protect you. Let them take care of you. You left me. And that's one thing we need to pray and believe God about our nation. Because we've got too many people in this country trying to leave God out. They want him out of this. They want him out of that. They want him out of the other. And yet they want his protection. Well, it doesn't work that way. You don't say, well, I don't know if there is a God. And I don't believe in God. But when something comes up, oh, God protect us. You find some of these same people that are so atheistic, something bad happens. What do they cry? Oh, God. Thought you didn't believe in God. Oh, it's just a manner of speech. Well, yeah, we see what comes out, though. (laughs) No, don't be foolish. Go ahead and confess it in good times and easy times. God is my God. He is my protector. He's my refuge, my fortress. And I trust in Him, what? To protect me. To keep me. I'm trusting Him. Hmm? And when something happens, you know, you missed a car wreck, you missed something and didn't get sick, you don't, people say, well, what happened to you? You don't say, well, it was my superior driving skills. Like I've always told you, you have to watch out for the other guy. And I was quick and particularly sharp that day, and I anticipated, and I did that 90 degree, and then I did that, uh, you know, that brake uh, throttle motion. You better hush with that stuff and you better say, the Lord protected me. Right? Well, man, you didn't get sick and you were around all those other guys and they got so sick and stayed in bed for two weeks. Well, it's because, you know, I eat right and I work out. You know, you got to take care of yourself. No, no. Except by the grace of God, you'd already been dead a thousand times before now. No, give him the glory. Say, the Lord protected me. The Lord. And I don't care who's there. Right? Well, they'll think I'm religious. Well, if they don't believe it, they need to. You're not the one should be embarrassed about not believing in him. No. 
Now, you don't try to be obnoxious and push yourself off on people. That's not what I'm talking about. But nor are you ashamed or embarrassed or intimidated when God does something for you. Hmm? There's been some times I've been in business situations. Somebody asked me, how in the world did you do that? And I said, well, the Lord did it for me. But then they get quiet. Well, I don't care. He did. He's the one that did it. And I ain't taking the glory. And I know who took care of me. And I'm going to stand up for him. We must confess him, the Bible said, before men. Not be ashamed. Now, our part is to say of the Lord, he is our refuge, our fortress, our God, our protector, and that we trust in him. And verse 3, his part, he said he will deliver us. He'll do it. When we claim him as our God and protector, he will do so. He will come through for us. And verse 4, he will cover you. Now we're talking, this is God's part. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings shall you trust. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. So we talked about that canopy of protection. The Bible uses more than once the example of a mother hen or the eagle that takes its young under its wings and protects them and covers them so the predator can't get to them. And in fact, when the little chicks are up under the mother hen, you can't even see them. Hmm? And I got stirred up when I was reminded about that. It said your adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I thought, well, why is he seeking? And then I'm reading this again. It just dawned on me. He can't find me. (laughs) I'm like that little chick. When the little chicks are under the mother's wing, all you can see is the big mama hen. Right? You can't even see the little chicks. Of course, unless you're a little dumb independent chick. And you think, I don't need that. And I don't want to be with the rest of the bunch. And I'm going to go out in front and just do this on my own way. You're going to be somebody's lunch. But not us. Not us. We dwell. We live. We stay in the secret place of the Most High. Under the shadow. Under His wings. We trust. And we stay and we live. So everybody said out loud, I'm under the shadow of the Almighty. I live under His wings. I live under His protection. I live in it. I stay in it. Hallelujah. Now, we learned last week about our part. In uh, verse 5, what does it say? You shall not be afraid. Who's going to do that? That's my part. That's your part. Can you keep from yielding to fear? Yes, Yes, you can. Now, if that's a new thing to you, then don't just take my word for it saying it here. But we got a whole series called Free from All Fears. And not just ours, but whoever the Lord will lead you to. Get a hold of things. Get in the Word. Realize you do not have to live in fear. I mean, living in fear is living in torment. And you don't have to be afraid another day of your life. You don't. You don't. The Bible said that Jesus, he took part of flesh and blood. And through death, 
He destroyed him that had the power of death. And he delivered those who through all their lifetime were subject to bondage through the fear of death. Did he do it? Are we? Then we are delivered from the fear of death. Somebody say, I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid of the devil. Any disease. Any accident. Any man. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. No. Well, build that into your spirit. If you've been dealing with feelings of fear and and these kind of things, don't just live with it. Don't just tolerate it. Get in the Word. And get enough of the Word in you, it will displace the fear. You get so full of love. You get so full of knowing how much God loves you and cares for you. Complete, perfect love casts out all fear. What's our part? Let's go over what we've learned so far. What's our part? One. I will say, I will say, have you been saying it? Well, say it again. Say it tonight. Say it tomorrow. Say it the next day. Something crosses your mind. Something tries to scare you. You say, oh, no, no, no. God is my God. He's my protector. He takes care of me. He takes care of our family. We're going to be okay because God protects us. Right? Say it. Say it out loud. Say it in your house. Say it in front of your kids. What else do we do? What's our part? He told us if we'd do that, he'd keep us, he'd deliver us, he'd put his cover over us. And what else should we do? We don't fear. The Bible said what you fear will come on you. So we don't do it. We don't give the enemy a legal right to bring things on us. But here's something else we're getting to. That's our part. You'll not be afraid, verse 5, for the terror by night, for the arrow that flies by day. Nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness. Nor for the destruction that wastes a noonday. A thousand will fall at your side. And ten thousand at your right hand. But it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, your habitation. There shall no evil befall you. Now this is what happens when you're not afraid. Neither shall any plague. How many plagues? Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Now you do know that millions of Christians don't believe that verse. Hmm? If you asked them if a plague was going through an area. I mean something like the flu. Or anything else. It's going through an area. People say, well, would the flu come to your house? Would this plague come to your house? What would a whole lot of Christians say? Well, (laughs) we sure hope not. But (laughs) you just never know. Well, then they don't believe this now, do they? They don't believe this. Can you believe the Bible? Can you just take it for what it says right here? What did it say? Now let's back up. Let's back up. If you would say, God's my God. God's my protector. Right? I trust it. If you would say that and believe that. And if you wouldn't be afraid. Wouldn't be afraid of any of it. He mentions a list of all the things you are not afraid of. If you would do that, what did he say? 
Verse 10. There shall what? Oh, come on. Can we shout about this? There shall. No. N-O. Can you believe the Bible? No evil befall you. Neither shall A-N-Y any plague come near your house. (laughs) Would God folks would believe this? But they don't. You know, people think you and I are just excited. Hmm? Just, you know, extreme or whatever. Well, now, are you trying to say that nothing, no destruction will ever come to you? No plague will ever come to you? No, I just wouldn't say that. Because who do you think? You think you're better than these other people that destruction comes to their house? You think you're better than these other people? The plague came to them. They were good people too. I knew them. Good people. And the plague come to their house. Who do you think you are? I think I'm somebody that believes something different than you do. <laughs> it's up to me. It's up to you. Whether we believe this or not. Do you believe that if you do what he told you to, that he is able and willing and faithful to keep no evil from befalling you? And not any plague coming even close to your house. Nigh means near. Say it out loud. The Lord's my God. He's my protector. He's my refuge. He keeps me under his wings. Under his protective shadow. I live and I trust. And I fear nothing. Except him. I fear no evil. I fear no evil. And he said. He would keep me. No evil. Befalls me. No plagues. Come close to my house. Now we need to build this into our consciousness. Because so much of the stuff and junk. Has been fed to people. Across the pulpits, people's ideas and theories and opinions and experiences and everything else, and you gotta feed this into you, feed this into you more than once, not just tonight, but over and over and over until this is all you expect. Hmm? And if something looks like it's trying to happen to you different from this, you just stand up on the inside and say, Oh no, 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 God protects me. It's not because I think I'm better than anybody else, it's just because I believe what He said. Now, that's our part and his part. But here, verse 11, is another of his parts. What does it say? For, now we're getting into how he does it. We've already seen some of how he protects us. He covers us with this canopy of his power, doesn't he? He delivers us from the traps doesn't he? That the devil has set for us. 
He keeps things that are coming through and affecting others from coming to us. Even if it happens to a thousand people on this side. And ten thousand, he keeps it from happening to us. That's what he said. Well, here is another way and another part of his part. How he protects us. What does it say? He'll give his angels. Does God have angels? Are they real? He'll give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. That's on the way to work. That's on the way home. That's on the way from the bathroom to the living room. That's on the way through the front door and out the back door, right? All your ways, all your goings, he's given his angels a charge. What does that mean? He called their name and gave them an assignment. And he said, you watch over Mo. God charged this angel and he said, you watch over Mo. And you keep him everywhere he goes. Huh? And then what? Keep reading. Because God has given them this charge. You getting excited about this? Because God has given them this charge. You think they're going to do what he told them to do? Oh yeah. They shall bear you up in their hands. What does that mean? They will pick you up. They will lift you. They can lift cars. They can lift buildings. They can lift big trees and big stones. They can sure lift you. Even if you've gained a little weight. They can lift you easily. Why? Lest. Lest what? Lest you dash your foot against a stone. And hurt yourself. Right? Angels are real. They are created beings. God has made them. There's a lot of them. And God assigns them to his people. Turn with me to the book of Matthew. (laughs) Glory to God. Book of Matthew 18. He'll give his angels charge. While you're turning there, I'm going to read to you. We're going to Matthew 18. I'm going to read you some other translations of that verse we just read. It says... He will give his angels special charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve you in all your ways. Do you have accompaniment? And they are there to defend you. They ain't got nobody to stick up for me. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. To defend you. I'm just a single lady. I'm all alone in the world. Oh no. Oh no. Are you saved? Are you a child of God? Is God your God? Do you trust him to protect you? Are you living in the secret place? You have defense. 
And listen, guys, these angels are real. They're just as real as you are. They're just as real as I am. You can't see them, but they're real. They came in with you. They'll go out with you. They live with you. They travel with you. They are assigned to you. They have a charge to take care of you from God. And they do what he says. Now there is some, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, cooperation. There is cooperation on our part that we need to learn. And you can cooperate with them or you can work against them. Hmm? There's more than one scripture that deals with that. But he said, let me read the NIV. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. The New Living says he orders his angels to protect you wherever you go. They'll hold you with their hands. They'll hold you up with their hands, the English says. God will put his angels in charge of you to protect you wherever you go. Do we believe this? Said out loud, I have angels that protect me everywhere I go. Faith is a part of this. Now in Matthew 18, Matthew 18, the scripture says down in about verse 10, Matthew 18, 10, he said, take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels, I want you to underline that. Whose angels? Didn't say God's angels. What did it say? They're referring to who? The little ones. Their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Now there's been more than one occasion where people have been allowed to see angels. Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, my father in the faith, said he had a vision on one occasion and he saw the Lord. And standing beside him was this great big guy. And he said, uh, you know, that the Lord was speaking, he was just standing there. And said, fine, but once in a while he'd glance over at him because he said he was just massive. It's just hard not to look at him. And he said, uh, it, towards the end, he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, who is that fellow? And what does he want? And he said, the Lord said to him, that's your angel. And he has a message for you. He said, my angel? He said, yeah. Didn't you read in my word? Quoted this verse right here. That the little ones, their angels, behold the face of the Father. He said, why would you think you lost your angel? Because you grew up. Why would you? A lot of folks need him now. <laughs> More than when they were little. Right? No, there's no reason to think you lose your angel because you grow up. They're angels. What does that mean, your angel? He's assigned to you. Hmm? To take care of you and protect you. Anybody that's had kids should believe in angels. Huh? 
just, just watching them. And the close calls and the things that they get spared from and, and protected from, they have angels. And you don't lose your angel because you grew up. Say it out loud. I have an angel assigned to me to protect me and keep me. Now you ought to believe that. Now these angels are powerful. I said they are powerful. They are not human. They're angels. They're different category of being. Sometimes you hear people talk about, you know, so-and-so went to heaven and they, you know, the Lord made him an angel. No, no. He's not making believers into angels. It'd be a demotion for us. The Bible said we, you and me, shall judge angels. But we're not going to judge each other. Right? No, we're told not to do that. But angels are a different class of being. They're not human. Now they can appear just like a human. So much so that you could see one and not even know you saw an angel. Is it true? What did the book of Hebrews says? Be careful to entertain strangers. Didn't it say that? For some have entertained angels unawares. What does that mean? They didn't know it. They saw an angel, they talked to an angel, they had dealings with him, and never knew he was an angel. You heard, if you were here the other night, you heard Brother Jerry Savelle talking about that situation where they needed help, and this man just happened to be there at the right time, and then he couldn't find him. I've heard a case after case like that. So they can take on human form. And interact with people and do things to help us. Mrs. That's spooky to me. No, it ain't spooky. It's the Bible. It's been going on all the time. Whether you've been thinking about it or not. And they're here to help us. To protect us. Uh, Phyllis and a young lady she was working with years ago in Tulsa. They were going down the road. And what was it? The wheel came off. Of the car, and they're out there in the middle of the interstate, uh, or not in the middle, but right there, you know, too close to it. And uh, they're just the two girls out there, and it's busy. It's they said this guy. No sooner had they got off the road in the middle of a six-lane interstate, so not a good place to be. And instantly, there's a guy there with a tow truck and a car on it, and he gets out a, a tire and a wheel. That just perfectly fits their car and puts it on like that, and they turn around to thank him and can't find him. He's gone. And they just get in the car and go. That kind of thing has happened again and again, and should be happening more. Should be. Now, you don't get weird about this stuff, don't get mystical. And you don't want to hold a lot of conversations about angels. Hmm? The Bible warns us about angel, particularly about angel worship. 
We don't worship angels. We don't pray to angels. Hmm? We don't try to talk to them. What's my angel's name? You don't need to know. You don't. There's been more than one instance where people did. They asked the angel, what's your name? And he said, you don't need to know. And you know one reason why? You can see real easy. People would worship these things. Wouldn't they? They'd build altars to such and such name. No, the Lord don't want you knowing that or thinking about that. And in the book of Revelation, you know, uh, John saw this angel, the angel of the Lord. He was so awesome and so amazing that John, and John's not a newbie, you know, he falls down to worship him. And the angel says, no, see that you don't do it. He said, I am your fellow servant. Worship God. Can you say amen? amen? Everybody said out loud, we don't pray to angels. We don't, pray to angels. We don't worship angels. We don't, worship angels. We don't try to talk to angels. But we let them help us. Yeah, we do. We let them help us. Now I want to give you an example of how powerful these guys are. Go with me if you would. You got time? You want to wait till this rain slacks up? <laughs> Go to Second Kings, the nineteenth chapter. Let me give you an example from the Word of just how powerful some of these guys are. These angels, I should say. Second Kings, nineteen. Are you there? The enemy has come against God's people. In great force. They're outnumbered. They're outgunned. They're in a bad way. But they prayed. I said they prayed and they believed God. Amen. And the Lord told them. I mean it looks like you're done. And the Lord told them. He said no they are not going to come in here. They're not going to fire one arrow in here. I'm sure they're thinking, how? How could that be? Massive army. Huge, gigantic army waiting to attack the city. But 2 Kings 19, verse 32. Thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, who was the, you know, premier military force in the world. He will not come in this city. He will not shoot an arrow there. He won't come before it with shield. And he won't cast a bank against it. By the way he came. That's how he's going to return. He will not come in this city. Says the Lord. For I will defend this city. And save it for my own sake. And for my servant David's sake. And it came to pass that night. That the angel of the Lord went out. Now, uh, if you look it up, in the, there's two other places in the Bible. One's in Isaiah where this is recorded. One says, an angel. A-N. An angel. Went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and four score and five thousand. That's a hundred and eighty-five thousand soldiers. He smote in one night, and when they rose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. 
And Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, loaded up and went home. You never saw a ninja (laughs) or a bad dude that compares to these guys. Hmm? And you got one of these assigned to you. One of these angels took out 185,000 soldiers in a night. One. Aren't you glad you got one assigned to you to be your bodyguard and to protect you and to keep you and to help you? Can you say amen? Well, how many of these does God have? Go to Psalm 68. We'll give you a little example on this. Psalm 68. Psalm 68. Are you there? 6817. 68:17. The chariots of God are 20,000. But then he uses another phrase. Even thousands of angels. Now, these words in the original as you can see by the King James endeavoring to translate it, it's you know, they're not finding the full words. The amplified says Thousands upon thousands. The NIV says tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. The NAS uses this word myriads and thousands upon thousands of these angels. Remember Elijah the man of God on one occasion? They came to get him. A whole detail of soldiers came to get him. And his servant said, alas, my master, what are we going to do? And the man of God said, open his eyes and let him see. And he saw chariots of fire and these angels round about the whole place. He said, there's more with us than there are with them. He said, they're outnumbered. He said, they're in a bad way and they don't even know it. It didn't look like it. It looks like you've got two preachers and an army. Oh, but these preachers had somebody with them. Didn't they? We need to be aware of this. We need to believe this. Be conscious of this. That we're not alone. Hmm? Man, some of I was afraid to drive down that street all by myself. You should never drive down any street all by yourself. I was afraid to walk through there at night by myself. You are not by yourself. Hmm? Never by yourself. Never. Never. Now, how many angels are assigned to you? We know there's one called your angel. But there are other, I won't go into it, but there are other things that reveal that sometimes Michael referred to his angels. He had a task, but there were angels under him doing the job. There's a rank. In the kingdom of heaven. And you don't need to know all that. But I assure you. There's plenty to get the job done. Hmm? If one. Could take out 185,000. That's a lot. 
enemy overnight? Thank God for our military. Thank God for our men and women in uniform and all the equipment that's been developed. But we should not just rely on that. We should believe and they should believe. Right? That they got angels with them in the field. Hmm? Let's believe with them. And pray for them. That they'd get a revelation of this. And learn how to cooperate. Don't you know it would make you feel stronger? You got your weapon and you're rushing into a hot place to feel like I'm just running in there by myself? Or how about to real have the realization that you got these angels coming in with you? Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Brother Hagin told the story in his messages numbers of times of a missionary he knew. I believe this was in Africa many years ago. And he said, uh, these guys went into a tribe they had no knowledge of that was known to be violent because they had captured a little girl from another tribe that they were ministering to. And they went and they tried to trade and they said, yeah, we'll trade the child for these beads and this stuff. But it got dark and they couldn't travel back. It's too dangerous. So they spent the night in the middle of the night. They're awakened by these drums. And the missionary asked the interpreter, what does that mean? He said, it means we're dead. So what do you mean? He said, it dawned on the chief. He don't have to give us the girl or anything. He'd keep everything and just kill us. He said, probably when we step out of here, they'll take our head off with those big knives. So they knelt down and prayed. (laughs) And committed themselves to the Lord. And he said, well, let me, the missionary said, let me go first. So he pushed the thatch aside and he stepped out, you know, not knowing what the next thing he's going to feel is cold steel against his throat. And he said, he waited for a minute and kind of closed his eyes and opened his eyes. And he said, all the tribe out there was bowing down, bowing down, knives on the ground. Hallelujah. He called his interpreter and he said, what are they saying? What are they saying? He said, well, they act like they're trying to worship you. He said, he asked somebody. The guy said, when he stepped out, two big men in white stepped out beside him. One on either side. Scared them so bad, they dropped their knives and just fell on their face. Glory to God. Can God do that again? Can God do that today? Yes. Yes. Said out loud, I have protection. He's given his angels charge concerning me. They'll keep me. They'll protect me. They'll lift me up in their hands lest I get hurt. Glory to God. Is it Bible? It's Bible. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. You're in the Psalms, aren't you? Go back to another verse in the Psalms, to the 34th Psalm. The 34th Psalm. We're not just basing this on one isolated verse. Psalm 34, verse 6. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. 
And did what? Saved him out of all his troubles, the angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him and delivers them. Let me read that to you from some other translations. The NAS says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. The English version says, his angel guards those who honor the Lord. Now there's a qualifier here, isn't it? What about people that don't believe in God? People that speak derogatorily of the Lord and his things. Mock Christianity. No. No, those who fear, and that word means to reverence, to respect, to honor him. Do you honor him and respect him? How our young people should be taught. How our children should be taught. To honor the Lord and show reverence and show respect. Their protection is connected with it. Can you see that? Their protection. That's why young people don't need to get off and act like heathen. And take the Lord's name in vain. And join in with people that don't believe and mock. Christianity and and make light of things and then they're going to jump in the car and go speed down the road no no that's why you got to say the Lord is my God Hmm? he's my refuge he's my fortress he's my protector I respect him and you don't join in with people talking like that because your protection you may need protecting an hour from now you say amen The angel of the Lord encamps round about those who respect and reverence and honor the Lord. They're round. Do you believe this? That this angel or angels encircle you. They camp. If you could have your eyes open and look outside your house. You got campers out there. Are in your living room. Right? Somebody's camping out in there. Who are they? Angels. Your angels. Camping out. Why? Because God told them. He charged them. He commanded them. You take care of Bob. You take care of Susie. You take care of them. When you came into the world. Your mama and your daddy and your grandpa was standing outside looking through the glass. I guess your mom was not outside the glass. But they're looking through the glass going, that's him. You know who else was there? You know who else was there besides daddy and grandpa and your friends? Your angel. Why? Because he's been charged with you. Hmm? From birth to the end. He's been assigned to you. To keep you. And to snatch you up and hold you, lest you bust your toe against a rock. Thank you, Lord. Huh? Do we believe this? Yes. We believe it. Somebody say, I believe it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
I feel like I need to give you maybe like one more thing. Can you handle it? Go with me to uh, Psalm 103. Psalm 103, and then also uh, we're going to look up Hebrews chapter 1, and I think we can find an unhooking place. Mm-mm-mm. So much to learn about this. We really know so little about this area. But I believe the Lord would give us more light and more understanding if we wouldn't get enamored with them. Did you hear what I'm saying? I think one of the problems why so uh, the Lord has been able to reveal so little to people is because people, you know, they see an angel or, or hear something about an angel. They want to make a whole doctrine out of that and, and start the first church of angels, you know, and have a new denomination. And, and all they talk about is angels. Well, no, no, Jesus is the head of the church, yes. right? Yes. And he gets all the glory. All the glory. Hmm? And if an angel grabbed you up and saved you, it's because of the Lord's goodness. Yes. The reason he's there is because the Lord assigned him to you. Right? And gave him a charge concerning you. And I'm, I'm thinking that if we can, uh, we can grow up some and not just become, uh, enamored with the supernatural to the point that we get off track and lose focus, God would teach us more about these things and let us know more, let us understand more. Said out loud, no matter what the Lord lets me see. Or know, or be a part of, I will always hold to the head Jesus above all. Hold to the head Jesus. He's above all. Everything. We don't give ourselves the glory. We don't give angels the glory. Another thing I'd like for us to touch on before you go. Psalm 103, are you there? This has to do with our part in our angels working on our behalf. Psalm 103, 103, and verse 20. 103, 20 says, Bless the Lord, you his angels that excel in strength that do his commandments hearkening unto the voice or the sound of his word what do they listen to two things here he mentioned two things they do his commands right well we know one thing he commanded them is what take care of us He gave them a charge or a command concerning us. What's that? Take care of them. Protect them. Defend them. Keep them. Grab them up. Lift them up in your hands. Lest they hurt themselves. Do they do his commands? They do what he commands. But here's something else. What? Hearkening. What does that mean? Hearing. Listening to. Paying attention to. Responding to. What? The voice of. Of his word or the sound of his word. What if that word was in your mouth? Hmm? 
Would they hearken to, pay attention to, respond to his words in your mouth? Yes, they do. Now, go to Hebrews 1 and connect that with this. Said out loud, angels do his commands and they hearken to the sound of his words. Now, in Hebrews... The first chapter, quite a bit of this chapter talks about angels. And it keeps talking about how that Jesus is above angels. And it says, verse 13, Hebrews 1.13, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? What's the answer to that? None of them. He never said that to any angel. Only to the Lord Jesus. Verse 14. Are they. They who. The angels. Are they not all. All of the angels. Are ministering spirits. This word ministering. Has to do with service. It's the same word we get for our service teams around here. Service. Are they not all ministering spirits. Sent forth. To minister, what? For them. See, a lot of people thought it said to. What did it say? For them. For them who shall be heirs of salvation. Did you hear that? Y'all are quiet. We believe the Bible, right? Let me read another translation of two of that to you. The Amplified says, are not the angels all ministering spirits, servants, sent out in the service of those who are to inherit salvation? The NIV says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Who's that? That's us. We're not to serve them. That's why it's so wrong to talk about worshiping an angel or praying to an angel. No, they're supposed to serve us. They're supposed to help us. To minister for us. Now, don't misunderstand. They hearken to what? Not to a bunch of foolishness. All right, angels, I'm going to leave when I come home. I want all my shoes shine. And I want the grass cut. No, no, that ain't the word of the Lord coming out of your mouth. (laughs) It ain't no need for you to wait for that to happen. But they are sent to minister for you and to assist you and help you. And when you get the word in your mouth, right? You get the word concerning healing. You get the word concerning prosperity and provision in your mouth. And you speak it. Then they heed it. They do his commandments. And they heed his words in your mouth. And they minister for those. Who are the heirs of salvation. That's us. Glory to God. Everybody say I got help. I got protection. I got big help. I got big protection. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. 
If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.